every woman has a birth story to tell. This podcast is our birth story. The birth story of how each of us became midwives. Our journey to midwifery. I'm your host, Amber Wilson, a doctor midwife. And each episode, I'll take you on another journey to hear the stories of midwives all across the globe. Listen to each tell the story of their personal journey. Listen to the words of how each was birthed into the field of midwifery and listen to the stories of trials and tribulations along the way and the love and passion each holds for midwifery. Okay, hello everybody. Today I am interviewing Marin. I'm super excited to hear her story and to share it with you. And she is living in Arizona. So say hi, Marin. Introduce yourself. Hey, Amber. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, So excited that you are providing a platform for all kinds of midwives to tell their stories. I think it's so important for not only students, but also for each other, you know, that we we hear where each other's uh, are coming from. So my name is Marin Green, and I live in Sedona, Arizona. I am an independent midwife here in my community and also run a worldwide birth network slash community and a midwifery school called Indie Birth, uh, an Indie Birth Midwifery School. So lots to talk about my own personal journey. I'm happy to share and kind of how that intersects and intertwines with the work that we're doing online with women. Um, But I came to midwifery over 15 years ago, like a lot of us do through our own births. I'm not going to rehash all of my births. I have nine children, uh, so I'm not going to tell all of their stories. But the short version (laughs) is um, I had a hospital birth with my very first baby. And for our second, we chose a home birth and an unlicensed midwife in Chicago. So he is 15 now, my son. And it was right after his birth that I kind of caught the birth bug. Um, Couldn't stop reading about birth, couldn't stop thinking about birth, and began an apprenticeship with a home birth midwife when he was about four months old. So that's how I got into birth. And I would say that the births of the rest of my children, as I'll probably share, have really shaped my own journey as a midwife from what kind of, you know, certification and license I was desiring to how my practice has shifted over the years. So I'm sure we'll get into that. But that's, Mm -hmm. that's the short version. So way back when that baby was a baby, what was your initial why? What made you say, I want to do this? I felt so powerful after his birth. And my hospital birth wasn't horrible, actually. But I had some trauma, for sure. Mostly over my baby being taken from me. So when I realized that home birth was an option, and that honestly, that really wasn't until I was almost due to have my second baby, I switched care from uh, first an OB, then nurse midwives at a hospital and found my home birth midwife. Um, I just fell in love with her and the unique way that she was able to work with us, especially at such a late date. And then after the birth, um, as I've shared, I just felt so powerful. Like 
I did this amazing thing again and I did it at home in the water and my baby never left my arms. And I really just wanted that for other women. I wanted that for everyone, (laughs) you know, to not, not experience trauma, to feel safe, to feel loved. And I was just totally entranced with learning more. So it was a combination of, yeah, wanting this for other people. And then just my own brain, my own spirit really like wanted to dive in and learn more about everything birth related. It really is the birth bug. That's what everyone says. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So tell your story. Like when, how did you go into your training? What type of training did you do? How that was, how you balanced being a mom and going through it all? Oh man, I know there's so much. Yeah. I would, I would agree that not only is it a bug, but for me, it's really been a calling. Um, I never considered being a nurse, for example, I really didn't consider a more medical path or a more structured path. Like I said, I dove into an apprenticeship with a home birth midwife when my son was four months and I didn't even plan on that. I had been taking a course called intro to midwifery. I don't think that's even like around anymore, but it was through a distance learning program. And so as part of the course, I was to interview a midwife other than my own. So that's how I kind of hooked up with this other midwife. And while I was interviewing her, she said to me, so are you interested in apprenticing? And I was really caught off guard. I mean, here I am with my tiny baby. I really was scared to jump in. I had been a musician previously. So I went to college for music. I was still actively doing that kind of alongside learning about birth. And I was really scared to jump in. So I feel like that's important, you know, for students listening, especially. Um, It's clear to me now that that's what I was supposed to do. And I think I am doing the work I'm supposed to do. But there really was a period where I was like, I don't know about this. Like, this is a crazy life. And, you know, I saw with my midwife, her life was pretty chaotic. And I don't think it has to be that way. You know, now that I'm kind of living it, um, that was largely just her. (laughs) But you know, the hectic life of being on call and being at two births in a day or whatever it is. So there definitely was a huge piece of me that was hesitant. And when this woman asked if I was interested in an apprenticeship, I, I remember just being like, Oh, wow, you know, and I think I, I don't even remember what I said other than I don't know anything like I'm completely green. I've never even taken a blood pressure. I know nothing. And she was so loving and kind and just said, well, you know, that's how most of us start out in apprenticeships. You're not expected to. And that's what you learn. So I went home after that and talked to my husband. And I remember talking to my best friend as well. And they both said, just do it. Like if it's calling to you, just do it. And if it turns out it's not for you or you don't like it, whatever, no harm done. You'll just, you won't do it anymore. It's okay. Uh, so that's kind of how I jumped in. It really felt big. And the apprenticeship journey was hard. Um, I don't think there's enough time <laughs> to talk about all the nuances of what an apprenticeship is. Uh, The model itself, I think, is kind of fascinating how you work one-on-one, usually with a midwife, 
And I was really humbled with how hard it was to walk alongside of her as she walked alongside women. You know, you're completely at the mercy of someone's schedule. Um, Obviously, there's just being on call for births, which are unexpected. But also, just as she made appointments, I would have to you know, find childcare, I would have to follow her around. And I love doing it, but it was really challenging. And I look back, and I still say, you know, apprenticeship was one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. Um, I spent several years with this midwife in Chicago, let's see about, I don't know, three to four years. And it was a really great experience. Lots of great births, um, obviously wonderful families. And the way that came to a halt was the fact that uh, she was a CPM. But regardless, anybody that's not a nurse midwife isn't legal to practice in Illinois till this day. Um, So I was part of her story of being pursued by the state you know, and eventually she stopped practice and moved to Canada. So at that point, my own apprenticeship obviously came to a halt for obvious reasons. And my family and I decided to relocate to Arizona where we are now for the simple reason of obtaining a license to practice midwifery. So it's a little ironic when I get to the rest Mm -hmm. of the story. um, But that was actually what I was seeking And, you know, I'm not sorry about any of that. I think my motivation was naive in the sense of like, I watched this woman I loved, you know, this woman I had apprentice with, I watched the trauma that it was to be persecuted. Um, I watched, you know, the fact that she had her house searched, and there was some really rough stuff that came up. And so, I think it was a normal reaction at the time to be like, nope, don't want that. I'm going to go this way. And, you know, this way will be more legitimate. This way will be safer. And so that is what we did. We moved here to Arizona. And this was, let's see, I don't know, 11 years ago at this point. And I found a midwife here, a licensed midwife to apprentice with and finished off that part of the training. So in total, was about five years of apprenticeship. And there were a couple other midwives in there, gratefully. So it really was a great experience. But again, super hard, (laughs) super difficult. Um, the, The midwife that I ended up working with here was completely different in style and practice. And so I was really grateful to learn more of a medicalized approach, um, you know, doing lots of vaginal exams and learning how to do blood draws and things that I just hadn't been exposed to, frankly, in my first apprenticeship. So it felt like a really good balance. um, Although it became a really (laughs) significant challenge, personality wise. And I think, you know, that's a huge discussion in the apprenticeship model, just how do women get along and like Mm -hmm. doesn't always work and what do we do when it doesn't work and how can we be better students and how can we be better midwives? Like all of these things came up in this apprenticeship in a way that I hadn't experienced. Um, So we'll have to do a part two. Yeah. Well, (laughs) well, and if not with me, you know, I think it's a great topic in general, like for midwives Mm -hmm. to think about like, how can we construct the model of apprenticeship? in a more feminine way, uh, because I think we have 
I don't know, we have other influences that come in. And anyway, um, moving on through that, it was, it was what it was. It was a great experience in some ways. It was completely traumatic and horrible in other ways, to be perfectly honest. And I obtained my own license here in Arizona after many papers um, and, and much testing and then was on my own. So that at this point is about uh, 10 years that that was complete. Um, so I've been serving my community here in Sedona and surrounding areas, sometimes as far away as Phoenix as a home birth midwife. And I started that path again with a license. The long story, if people are interested in reading more, um, is in our book. We have a new book that's out called Indie Birth, A Story of Radical Birth Love, and uh, you can get it on Amazon. Um, but the, the, the story goes that I ended up kind of fighting the state of Arizona for several years after attending a VBAC birth, which was prohibited by the rules and regs. And in the end, after many years, deciding that I didn't even want the license anymore. Um, so I can talk more about that if you have specific questions, because I don't know how much people ever understand or know about the way that works. But ultimately, I decided it wasn't for me that the restrictions for licensed midwives, which, you know, is different, A, in every state, and B, certainly different from, you know, those that a nurse midwife um, is under, the licensed midwife box is pretty tight in, in Arizona as well as other states. And so I just learned through experience and really following my own voice and my own truth and my own birth um, as a mother that that wasn't for me and that I wasn't really interested anymore in serving the state. Um, I was more interested in serving families that knew what they wanted. And that's how it continues till this day. So, yeah, that is an interesting story. And um, I do, even though we have different training, I can say the same. I felt the same about being under a preceptor or, you mm -hmm. know, women sometimes aren't nice to women. Yeah. Or yeah. students. And so that's really rough. Um, so, yeah, I'd like to ask a little bit more about, um, you know, let's say... Like, how do your do your clients come to you? Do they know that there isn't licensure? Um, like, how does that relationship develop? Right. Well, a little background. I feel like, you know, 10 years ago when I was licensed, I was the only licensed midwife here in this area. It's a pretty small town. And my experience was I ended up serving a lot of families that weren't quite right in a sense, like for me, you know, like it was a little bit more mainstream. They weren't people that I would work with now. And so, I mean, my practice is just so entirely different. I feel like the people that I work with now are actually searching for someone that doesn't work in that box. So it's not, you know, it's not typical that someone finds me and they're sort of like confused or surprised. Um, I have that occasionally. And usually people are like, Oh, yeah, that's cool. Like, I get it. Or, you know, I don't want that anyway. So in other words, I don't have like the regular string of people coming through, like probably the local birth center does, you know, because when you're yeah. home birth, I don't even know that I come up. So it's a very specific 
women and family that come with a very specific need. Um, and so they're thrilled with the way things work generally mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. So obviously a, a specific client is seeking what you offer. And so maybe this doesn't apply, but just because of my brain, where it comes from, how do you address things that, that would maybe need medical intervention? Like, um, you know, GBS treatment or meds for postpartum hemorrhage. How does that play into your practice? Right. Yeah, it's a great question. And I feel like it's a really big question in the sense of the way, I don't know, any of us can choose to work. I feel like it's so black and white in the world. It's like you're either a medical midwife or you're a holistic midwife. And I actually don't believe that either of those things is like the way to go. I feel like the wise woman model is kind of what we talk a lot about at Indie Birth. It's a lot about what we teach and share with our students. And basically, it's the place where the woman is in the center. So the pregnant woman is in the center of her experience. Um, she has access to anything. So I don't avoid, you know, talking about lab work and how we can get that and why we would want that. Um, I have an ultrasound guy that comes right here. Like, I don't think that it's nothing like the, that there's no technology, there's no testing at all. I feel like the most beautiful place a woman can really be is in charge of her own pregnancy and different people have different needs. Um, and as far as myself, I feel like I'm constantly trying to create the best communication I can, not only with clients, but with other people in the community you know, collaborating with them. Um, and, you know, not hiding. I'm not a midwife that's like hiding underground. Like, this is what I do. Um, I don't serve the state, but I've been trained as a midwife. You know, I, I have a lot of knowledge and skills just like anyone else. Uh, and sometimes we have needs for medical intervention. And, you know, sometimes people do bleed after birth. And so I don't know if that illustrates your point, but I think sometimes people have this myth that being unlicensed or being an independent midwife means that, you know, you just kind of like are always in the corner knitting and, and don't utilize any of the things we have. And I really don't feel like that. And I would love if that myth would die. <laughs> yeah. So you do have at or available to you if needed, those things, those tools. Yeah. Yeah, okay. totally. And I openly talk about that with my clients. So again, you know, no different than any other midwife, like this is GBS and this is what it's about. And, you know, do you, are you interested in pursuing that, those tests? The difference is I don't have the state breathing down my neck to check off a box that says, yes, they consented to this test or treatment. Right. So, you know, that's the only difference. People are still offered everything. Um, and truth be told, the kind of person I'm working with isn't super interested in a lot of that stuff. Right. Yeah. But if they are, then they should have access. You know, I'm not I'm not in judgment mode of like, oh, you want an ultrasound? That's that's not holistic. No, not at all. I'm there to yeah. serve women and I totally trust them with their choices. So to cause some states, I feel like, you know, it's so they make it so fearful, like, oh, this person practiced and they weren't having a license and things like that. So I guess how do you deal with that type of pushback or, or thoughts of people? And then what is the reality? Like, what if something did happen? How do you face that? Right? Yeah, they're both pretty intense questions. But I mm -hmm. think to talk about, 
Um, A, my experience has been, and I don't, of course, know what yours has been, but based on what you what you said earlier, uh, I don't find that midwives are super nice to midwives in close quarters, no matter what their status is, no matter what their letters are. Um, I feel grateful that, you know, I have really awesome students and people that have graduated from our school locally that we're building what I feel like is a really core group of women that love each other. And truthfully, I have never had that before, other than having Margot here, uh, who's the other creator of Indie Birth. She's since moved away. Um, so anyway, you know, even when I was licensed, it didn't feel like everybody was on the same page. And you know how it is. There's always gossip or this person did this and this person did that. And ever since I gave back my license, I really removed myself from those kind of interactions that felt really awful and negative and catty. Um, Cause you know, why, why even participate in that? So I stay in my bubble. Like I said, I have, I have really uh, close people and there have been some really positive things happening here lately actively building better relationships with a couple of the licensed midwives here, which has never happened. Um, but it's a, you know, a new group and they're more willing to do that. So that feels really good. But as far as what people say, yeah, I mean, I hear it every now and then, especially as far away as Phoenix. Um, what it comes down to, to me when things like that get back is just there's an insecurity there. You know, uh, a lot of the midwives serving the state, they don't want to be doing that. And they know that it's limiting them and they know they're having to lie to women or whatever it is in their situation. And they don't want to change that. You know, being a midwife is so much a part of their identity. And I get that. Like I was there and I mourned the fact that I might not ever do this again when I did get back my license. And I understand for some people, this is like a solid profession and there's money and there's all these things they can't lose. Um, but that's what I hear. That's what I hear and I see and I feel when that kind of stuff gets back to me because I'm confident in myself. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have any doubts about the path that I've chosen. Um, you know, I, I still hold the CPM certification, not that I really need to care about that. But, you know, I was trained as a midwife, and it was a very, very conscious and intentional decision. So people can say what they want. But the truth is, you know, many of the licensed midwives um, end up being the ones to tell a woman in their care that they can't serve her anymore, because she's 42 weeks, or she has a breached baby. So, you know, I don't really care what the midwives have to say the women are coming because they're often in a position where a licensed midwife can't really uh, walk with them anymore. And that's really sad that we're all kind of willing to watch that, <laughs> but that's a long answer. Oh, it is sad. And I feel like I, I'm the same as you, like it's the woman's choice or person. Yeah. Um, I don't care what their choice is. Okay. Hospital, home in a forest. I don't care. I don't know how much truth is to it, but this person was unlicensed practicing midwifery and they were sent to prison because whatever, some sort of out negative outcome happened. And I mean, that would scare me, but how do you feel about stories like that? Or is it something that you even really have to worry about out there? Well, I think we all should not worry, but I think we all should be aware that, 
this profession we've chosen is not loved or accepted by the powers that be. I mean, it's just not like we may live in different times than the witch hunt, but, you know, it's not really any different as far as acceptance by the patriarchy. So my question always is, why does anyone feel any sense of surety or certainty? Um, I had more problems when I was licensed, knock on wood, than I've ever had since. And I know of a handful of licensed midwives that have been criminally prosecuted. So the idea that a license is going to save you or make you more safe is an illusion. And, you know, I know that's a really like confronting thing to say. And people have different reasons for choosing different things. So I'm not saying that everybody should do this the way I've done it. But for people that don't really know how licensing works, for example, um, there's some really great resources out there that aren't even about midwifery that explain what the purpose is and who it is to serve and all of these things. So, you know, the more I've learned, the more I've known that it's the right thing for me and that there are no guarantees. There is no guarantee, no matter what path I would choose, um, you know, and I guess it's like birth. We never know exactly how things are going to work out, you know. Um, and it's just, I think, trusting in your own path and really being clear in listening to your own voice. I mean, that's the best I can do because otherwise, yeah, you could just curl up in fear like a lot of people do and say, I can't. Like, what if this happens and what if that happens and I have kids and this and that? And to that, I just say, well, I mean, I guess this isn't for you because those are realities for all of us, whether we like it or not. Uh, and, you know, I don't really sort of project those kind of things into the universe anyway. I'm serving these women from the absolute clearest and best place that I can be in and being as transparent with them as possible. Um, and, you know, this is my life's work, so I just don't know another way to do it. I think that's an excellent answer and very powerful. Mm -hmm. Well, thanks. I mean, it certainly comes up a lot. So <laughs> I feel like I have decent practice talking about it because, yeah, it is a thing. And I think the media and the world at large and social media, um, I hate to sound like such a conspiracy theorist, but, you know, there's lots of attention on the unlicensed midwife when those things happen. People love those stories. Mm -hmm. Uh-huh. So, you know, and I mean, there's a CNM here locally who had a horrible thing happen and had her license taken and no one heard about it in my community. Like no one here knows about it. Um, you know, and it's not my job to do that. I don't actually even know the story, but my point is everybody loves a good, a good, like, you know, a witch hunt. Yeah, a good witch hunt. And my motto, my motto is, if you weren't there, you don't know. So um, it doesn't mean you have to support everybody. It doesn't have to mean that that's the path for you or you can have your thoughts. Oh, I wouldn't do that. Oh, I would do that. But I think women, birthing women have the choice to choose whoever they want. And, you know, this myth of, oh, this unlicensed person out there that is a total hack and doesn't know what they're doing at all. I mean, yeah, there are people, I think, 
but not nearly as many as the media wants to paint. Um, or typically, you know, they're, they're midwives that have really not pursued any kind of certification. And so it's really easy to just look at them and say, oh, they're not midwives. Well, but they are, you know, they've been serving women for years and hundreds of women, but they're not recognized by any certification body. So anyway, there's a lot there and there's a lot to shift and change. But as long as there are uh, women willing to do it, and women looking for that care, I feel like it's still worth waking up to do. Yeah. So how does your life look as a mom and a home birth midwife? What do you do? What's your week like? Oh, boy. Hmm. While we have nine children, I don't remember if I said that. You did, yeah. And, yeah, so um, lots of... You're busy. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. And I've, I've done some podcasts on mothering and midwifery. Um, so if people are, well, obviously. Yeah. What, what are they, what are they called? Um, I, my series of podcasts is called taking back birth. And so you can find it on iTunes or really any other podcast app. And so, you know, you you can just kind of scroll there, but there's like 150 of them. So there's at least a couple on midwifery and mothering and bringing babies to births and, such things. Um, my husband works from home, which is really helpful and has always been really helpful and really is probably the only way that I could do all of the things. Um, cause he's kind of the one that is stationary there and yeah, lots of online stuff. Um, we do virtual prenatal appointments with women all over the world that either don't have a midwife, can't find a midwife, whatever. Uh, things like this, interviews and collaborations and podcasts are a good piece of some other online stuff. Um, I've been doing a great deal of studying lately, which has been fun and taking courses and, you know, just kind of taking some off call time to do, you know, continuing education kind of stuff, which I love and I find so refreshing. And, you know, I learn all kinds of new things and then I can kind of relay some of it to our students or um, shift up our courses. Uh, so the school is IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org, and we are actually accepting applications right now for the class that will begin in July 2020. And so the school is probably about 40% of my week. Um, everything's online, yet we have video calls. I have local students here that I meet with and you know we had like a, a breach study workshop on Saturday a couple days ago uh, so yeah student stuff and teaching and making sure that classes are good and giving feedback and answering people's questions and all of the things um, and then of course there's the real life local pregnant women which uh, I keep to a pretty small number like one to two a month and they range from being super close by to about an hour away. So I have some travel this week uh, up north to Flagstaff and then, I don't know, kind of south to another place. And then, of course, kid stuff is intertwined with that. We homeschool. And so we have a couple mornings a week where we do that kind of thing. And, you know, it's really a beautiful life. I have no complaints. It's super busy but super creative and satisfying and really wonderful. Yeah. How long is your online school? Does it depend on the student or is it a set thing? Yeah, it's a set two-year program. So there's about okay. three courses, uh, you know, all the courses you can imagine kind of as the nuts and bolts of a 
midwifery school, mm-hmm. along with like business training and all kinds of other stuff. Um, so yeah, we have students enrolled from, you know, China, Australia, United Arab Emirates, like all over the world. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the school is going into its fourth year of enrollment. I can't believe it's been four years already (laughs) because it seems like we just started it, but, um, it's amazing. Yeah. Now for American students, if they wanted to do the license route, could they use the, your curriculum towards that? We are not MEEK accredited as you could guess a hundred percent on purpose. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a whole other discussion. I don't think mm-hmm. our, I, I have taught for Meek schools, actually. So I feel like I can accurately say that the bar is not so high with what I've seen. Um, because, you know, they're teaching for a set, a set uh, number of objectives or whatever it is. So um, I feel like our school is pretty challenging. And we've gotten that feedback even from experienced midwives that have enrolled. Like it's, it's pretty tough. Um, but there's also a flow to it. So people can choose to dig deeper in certain topics and they can also not do as much in certain other topics. Uh, it's kind of radical in that way. (laughs) And they pay you some sort of tuition that I'm sure they can research online. Yeah. All the information's on the website. And like I said, we're currently accepting applications for July. So all of the information is there. We have a really nice virtual tour set up. So you can read all about it behind the scenes, uh, take a look at some of the teachers, get a look at some of the courses, the teaching platform, all of it. So yeah, we're pretty, pretty transparent with how it looks and how it's going for people. Um, And like I said, we've had really great feedback I think as far as midwifery schools go, you know, it's not something that everybody's going to make their way through. That's uh, pretty challenging. Most people have um, have children and families and all that. So it's definitely not for everybody, but the people that are making it through, I think are feeling really solid and then going off to do apprenticeships and such. Um, so it's the didactic component to an education and, you know, re- it doesn't include an apprenticeship for obvious reasons. Right. Right. They have to find that on their own to find that. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. That is so exciting. And you're just doing such cool things. Oh, thank you. Um, I forgot to ask you um, the question about feeling burnt out or trauma or those days when you just didn't feel like going on and continuing. I think you addressed <laughs> it a little, but um, how did you push through that? Yeah. Yeah. I guess my example, although I, like many of us have many examples, uh, would be the the couple years that I was engaged with the state. (sighs) That was really tough. Um, It was really depressing. I was pregnant at the time with my sixth baby. And yeah, it was hard. Like it was hard to be pregnant. It was scary. Um, I never knew kind of like, what, what would happen? Like, was the phone going to ring or like, was a piece of mail going to show up? Um, that was really traumatic. And I feel like that isn't something that I don't know if I'll ever completely get over. Like it's an awareness that it's there now. Um, kind of like that feeling, you know, that feeling of someone wanting to know what you're doing. Uh, and I don't think that's altogether uncommon, (laughs) 
in people in general, but um, it's definitely something I got to experience. So to be honest, during that time, I really, you know, didn't take on very many clients and, and tried my best to be intentional about my own self care. I was pregnant. But even now, I find that that's the way to go. You know, burnout is normal, whether it's a tough birth or just being too busy. And I just yesterday, I was talking to an elder midwife. And she said to me, can I give you a piece of unsolicited advice? And I said, most definitely. And she said, no matter what, please take care of yourself. And it wasn't about anything. We weren't actually even talking about me or anything. It was just her giving her best advice, which is we have to put ourselves first. Uh, We have to be in good health. We have to be, you know, in the best mental clarity, the best emotional clarity. And we have to recognize that we all need time to reboot. So she said, I thought it was interesting too. um, You know, I thought I was taking really good care of myself. And so I'm going to let that sit with me too, because this was just a little while ago. Like, how can we take better care of ourselves? You know, are we really uh, meeting our own needs? You know, especially if we have children and, and family and all that other stuff, like we cannot serve women from a place of depletion um, or even emotional exhaustion, right? It's like, that's the hardest part I find is being emotionally present for these women. So that's a constant job. I don't know anyone that has that down and it's done and they never have to look at it. Like it is a daily a daily commitment to, you know, ourselves, I think. Yeah, that is an excellent point. And I think too, just really going into what works for you, like this style of midwifery works for you. Whereas, you know, myself, for example, I get off at this time every day and I don't go to work till that time the next day. So that works for me. You know, it's everybody's different, but I've gone through waves where I'm like, we should have... Uh, one type of midwife but then I'm like but no because then we have services you offer and services I offer and they work for different people and I think that that's a a beautiful dance if we can treat each other kindly and respect each other's differences I agree I agree and I'm feeling so much more that way than I used to um, for all the obvious reasons and I think just like maturing and growing like like I said I've um it's been more of a friendly relationship here with some midwives that run a birth center. Uh, and I really appreciate them. You know, I really truly do because I know that that is just the right choice for people. Uh, as long as we're all being transparent about what we offer, I feel like that's my only sticking point is like, let's just all be honest about what we can do, what we can't do, what we love to do, what we don't like to do, and then let the women choose. And then we must respect that. I mean, it's ridiculous to not, isn't that what we say we're about? Exactly. It's so silly. So yeah, I'm super grateful for you um, and the work that you do. Uh, one of my one of my best friends and mentors is a CNM. Uh, she's attended some of my births, and I just adore her and have learned so much from her. And you know, complete honor and respect for the way you serve women for sure. Yeah, and I'm grateful for your services because you have people that want very very little hands on, and you're there to be that net in case they need it. For sure. You know, sometimes it's not even that sometimes it's that no one else can work with them. You know, it's not, I mean, I, I won't go on and on because actually the story is in our book, but there was a woman a couple of years ago um, who was just about due and, you know, for various diagnosis, diagnoses, 
uh, wasn't able to work with anyone else. And and the short version is she didn't even plan on having a home birth. Like that wasn't even in her her line of options until that became her only option. Um, wow. You know, so it really wasn't like it was a quick education. It was a quick getting to know. But it wasn't like she really was seeking out like, oh, hands off midwifery. She was just simply like, I want a birth that isn't a cesarean. And what are my options? Um, and she ended up having a beautiful birth in like a record amount of hours with, you know, absolutely no complications. So I don't always get people that just want whatever I think this thing is. Um, yeah, they're often people that like just don't have another option. And of course, they have to feel right for me. It's not like, oh, I just work with everybody just because they have no one, yeah. um, you know, somebody with a breech baby or whatever. Like often these are women that are at the end of their pregnancies and, you know, they've been told, oh, we can't work with you anymore. So right. that's a whole yeah. different thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's why you're there. And I think that's awesome. Um, you. Did you tell us all of your social media resources. Can you go through those one more time? So sure. Have them all? Sure. Find us on Instagram at IndieBirth. IndieBirth.org is the main site. You can get a podcast link there. We have lots of free webinars, so you can just kind of seek those out. We have one upcoming on perimenopause. And then the IndieBirthMidwiferySchool.org is the school site, obviously. You can read more. You can sign up for the virtual tour. You can apply. And then finally, the podcasts are called Taking Back Birth. You can find them on iTunes or other podcast apps. I think that's everything. Well, thank you for your, I mean, you're like this expert in the um, field, and I'm honored that you took the time to interview with me. Oh, thank you. I'm so honored. And again, so happy that you're doing this and, and sharing people's stories. It's really powerful. So thanks. Thank you. Well, friends, I hope you enjoyed hearing Marin's journey to midwifery as much as I did. Remember, you can find her on Instagram at IndieBirth. She has tons of resources for you, and she even wrote a book that she gifted to me. I'm in the process of reading, so you'll hear more about that. Also, you can check out my website where you can find blog posts, you can sign up to be interviewed, and you can contact me via the contact form or email. If you get in touch with me, don't forget to ask about my happy coffee drink that helps give me the energy and mental clarity to be a mom, a midwife, and a podcast host. Until next time, 